0: All right, welcome everyone to another episode of the eSports Next podcast. I am joined by my co-host as always, the lovely founder of the eSports Trade Association, Miss Megan Van Petten, MVP. And today we are joined by our guest, who is the head of the Sri Lanka chapter. Near, I want to say nearly half a world away, but maybe further than that, as I was looking at some flight times, uh, we have Amila Pathirana. Hailing from Colombo, Sri Lanka, who is the co-founder and CEO of Gamertech. It was wonderful seeing you at the conference in person, and it's wonderful seeing seeing you again today online. How are you doing?
1: Um, I'm doing good, and thank you for that. Yes, it was lovely meeting both of you at the conference. It was one of one of a kind of experiences that I've had. Never been to one of these sports next before. It was quite entertaining. Plus, lovely to meet all the people in person. Actually.
0: Absolutely. I find it makes such a major difference just meeting people in person than, you know, seeing each other online. We see everybody's face nowadays, whether it's on LinkedIn or Twitter, Instagram, Zoom. But there's just something to the in-person interaction, shaking somebody's hand, talking to them in person. And uh, I was looking at flight times just now, Amila. (laughs) Looks like we're a solid... 22 hours away. Yeah. Flight yes, flight time yeah, which is pretty mind-boggling. So I think you win the award of the longest travel time uh to the eSports next conference. I don't know if you win or lose with that. But that's
1: quite <laughs> a <journey>. good. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of um uh, it, it's it's a bit of a trip. It's a bit of a trip. At least I enjoy the flight food and then the in-flight entertainment so.
0: Yeah, plenty of time to get some work done. I'm sure. Um, I'm curious, uh, as we said, you were the, the chair of our Sri Lanka uh, chapter. How did you find out about the Esports Trade Association from the outset?
1: Yes. So I've been working in esports for the last five years. I'm mean, like dedicatedly working in this space, right? Uh, earlier, my jobs got me involved in terms of gaming and esports, but was never a full time role. What happened was five years ago when I founded Gametech. You know, one of the struggles were like, okay, you're in a very different country where the esports industry hasn't evolved as much as the U.S. market. And I was looking for an organization which can help me connect with like-minded people, give us an opportunity to sort of, you know, learn from the industry. So that got me searching. And then, you know, obviously my first place to go and look was Google and here it comes. Uh, I was specifically looking for a trade association and the reason for that was like you have a lot of uh, associations which are not trade related, but more in terms of gaming, you know, uh, players, things like that. But I was specifically looking for someone on the trade side because I understood that that is the place to meet and connect with people and that's how I found the sports Trade Association the moment i found it i i think i reached out via the typical the support at uh, esports uh, uh, trade association email then i got a response then i understood how to set up the membership and yes and the rest is history so we we become a member now we are trying to set up the sri lanka chapter so things have moved forward since then
0: wonderful and i'm so glad that you um that you did and it's been wonderful to get to know you um the global reach of our EST chapters are um much of the efforts of MVP here, who does such a good job of thinking beyond just our United States to a very global view. Um, For our listeners who do not have a globe in front of them, or a world map, yeah. I believe Sri Lanka is just southeast of India.
1: Is that right? Yeah, so Sri Lanka is actually the most southern part of India. And I think Uh, in the ancient history I think there was a bridge between Sri Lanka and India so it was kind of like in the same not just in the same continent but it was also kind of connected but obviously Sri Lanka is a different nation has its own uh, national language which is different to what India speaks Um, very different uh, country relatively very small as well it's 65,000 square kilometers it's almost like mostly one tenth of the size of Texas uh, and uh, yeah and about 22 million population it's a very small country actually
0: yeah so we have seen that um India has a pretty strong esports community a very mobile yeah. first there's been a number yes. of teams competitions uh, PUBG mobile i know is huge out there how yeah. does the esports um industry differ from more the mainland India versus um Sri Lanka just to the south
1: yeah so Sri Lanka in terms of esports there are certain things we've done that makes us very advanced Uh, for example esports is registered as a national sport in the country so it's recognized by the sri lankan government as a sport in the country which is probably one of the first in this region Uh, but it still involves a lot of uh, semi-professional non-professional aspects and there's only one organisation which is actively working on the grassroots level, which is called Gamer.LK, uh, which is founded by a person uh, called ravin Vijaythilaka, and obviously he's going to be part of the founding board of Sri Lanka Chapter, well so because I've spoken to him, so he's currently in China for one of the esports uh, tournaments because he's flown in with the Sri Lanka PUBG team who's competing in in the in the, uh, in the national, uh, international tournament in China at the moment, and. Mm-hmm. Um, so, from a industry point of view, it's competitive driven still, but there aren't any professional organizations which are set up to monetize and then also build communities. So, at the moment, the community is driven by the gamers themselves, but there aren't any professional organizations in Sri Lanka at the moment, like what we have in US, like you know, professional esports organizations. It's nonexistent existent in Sri Lanka. So, in that way, we are also very backwards. And I think there are two problems to that. One is in terms of corporate. Side support, understanding of the corporate sector in Sri Lanka about the opportunities and the way to build an industry in terms of esports and gaming, and the second part is also to do with the government or the policymakers understanding what esports can mean to Sri Lanka. Even right. though Sri Lanka is a smaller nation in comparison to India, obviously India is a one billion population makes everything very attractive for someone to go and start exploring there because it's a billion population, whereas okay. Sri Lanka is twenty-two million, but On the flip side to this is where I see the opportunities that Sri Lanka is actually strategically located to work with countries like Pakistan, Bangladesh. Combined, you're looking at about almost like 450 million population again in that region, which makes it very interesting. And even like if you take countries like Nepal, very uh, early stages of esports trade, uh, early stage of, you know, getting these professional esports organizations. But I think that's where the opportunity I, I see. And that's one of the reasons why I want to set up a Sri Lanka chapter as well it gives us an opportunity to connect with grassroots people and then get them to come to the forefront and start building communities start building opportunities together
0: right well you know you, you mentioned some challenges about being a little further back in the the growth phase if you will or or some yeah. of some other countries I, I'm curious to get your take on the the positive aspects of that because sometimes what you may have is like in the States, right? Or kind of we're going through this esports winter, people are calling it, right? Where you've, yeah. you've had a, a lot of people who've raised a bunch of money, and you know, the investors are looking for the return on their investment. There's different mergers, acquisitions happening, some teams are going out of business. Uh, We're figuring out what is that sustainable business model and what are those revenue opportunities outside of sponsorship. Um, But if you're a little bit behind that curve, you may have avoided a lot of heartache, (laughs) maybe a lot of headaches of raising the capital, you know, having it kind of drop off a little bit. Tell me a little bit, how do you see that from a silver lining standpoint that you're able to see some of these other countries in other parts of the world trying things before you are there and you're able to avoid some of those mistakes.
1: Yeah, and so like all the challenges that I was talking in my head are also actually opportunities. And the reason Mm -hmm. I'm saying is like, because I've been involved in the industry for a while now and I've been working with some of the leading names within the industry. And it has given me a great opportunity to learn, understand what they go through. And then also understanding the same exact challenges that you're talking about some organizations able to raise capital but can't you know really get a return on that investment because you still don't have like enough revenue streams as you know like traditional sports is like a classic example right you still can make a lot of money with you know different streams of revenue esports organizations haven't been able to most probably monetize on on apart from like you know sponsorship they haven't been able to monetize so I think there's a lot of opportunities for us to learn from that and then apply it in a more sensible way in Sri Lanka. And I think when I spoke about the corporates are having the lack of understanding of the industry, I think that's slowly changing uh, because like, again, classic example, five years ago, if I went to any other Sri Lankan corporate and said, hey, you know, I have this vision of you know, setting up a company that could do wearables and you know performance approach for gamers um and they're like you know who are gamers you know these are the nerdy kids you know playing in the you know basement we Lanka doesn't necessarily have basements per se but you yeah. know the, the nerdy kids who, who who doesn't want to come out and get some that right uh but the perceptions are changing they, they've seen what's happening in the world i think sorry it's uh it, it's kind of changing and I think we have to be as a trade, we have to educate them and I, that's one of the opportunities that I see. The more you educate them, the more you show them their opportunities. There are people who's willing to come forward and start investing. Uh, then the other part is also I think Shilak has a lot of talented kids in terms of esports but the problem is that we are also smaller economy because of that. They kind of have to work full time and then play maybe overnight which doesn't sure. give them necessarily the the sort of like professional development they would need mm-hmm. to be a professional. 14 hours player.
0: a day just to yeah. play games yeah. and grind it out. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. And I think if he, when when some of the tournaments start coming in and then, you know, with trade being there, I think some of the publishers would take this market a little bit serious. And I think with that, there's an opportunity for them to really get into like, you know, professional gaming. With that, I'm, I would also assume like, you know, the sponsors would follow. Now you suddenly have an avenue that, it wasn't available. And I think there's traditional challenges most of the corporates have. One thing is that they're having an increasingly disengaged younger audience that they're trying to sell to. What better way to go and, you know, really uh, connect with an audience when you are part of uh, esports? And and especially, you know, as a gaming as a whole, it, I think it gives a lot of different opportunities. And from a uh, social point of view, I also think it gives an outlet for young kids to, really start developing themselves because not everyone can be a professional athlete, right? And not Mm -hmm. everyone can be educated to the extent that it's going to create such a big market income. So I think having an avenue like this for someone who needs, who's good at things, but also like, you know, really give them an outlet to sort of get into international careers. uh, And then also like, you know, get picked up by some of the international esports teams. Um, I mean, if you look at some of the US teams, most of them are not really, you know, U.S. origin uh, players. They are, you know, that's because, I mean, like the industry has changed such that, you know, you are, now you have the ability of, you know, getting opportunities across the world. I think those are some of the great opportunities that Sri Lanka as a whole can explore. I mean, like, I have two sons, you know, and of the things I keep telling my elder son who's 10 years old is, you know, he's already started playing Rocket League. I'm like, yeah. yeah, you know, I know you need to do your studies, but there's also an opportunity now you get to, you know, go to university, get scholarships, because I've seen how, you know, I've been working with some of the, the the professors from some of the universities, you know, and I think that it's a it's a great opportunity, you know. It's like, as I said, like it just gives you more options when you keep moving forward. And right. I think from a global point of view, this audience will become very important uh, because the way we communicate, the, the the platforms that we're using, and traditional corporates don't understand this to a great extent, especially coming from Sri Lanka. They don't know what Discord is. They don't know what Twitch is. And like most of the time, when I go and ask for funding from my organization, they're like, "I can't believe people watching other people playing games." That's the typical comment I get. And I'm like, "Yeah, yes, they do." And, and <laughs> <Right>. yeah, <laughs> yes, that's 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 my view on this.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I hear that all the time too. I think um, more people are starting to get it all the time. But you know, my answer, and I'm curious, MVP, what your answer too is when you hear this because I know you're hearing it all the time as well, is Yes, people watch other people play video games. But if you think about it, we also watch other people cook food. We watch other people argue about politics. We watch other people play traditional sports, but not just play traditional sports. Some of my favorite things to watch are watching other people talk about the sports they watched the day before. And so when you would put it that way, you would say that doesn't make any sense. And what it comes down to is it is relevant entertainment. And so the reason why gamers like to watch other gamers play games is because it's relevant to you and you know what's happening. If you're saying, why are other games, why are people watching people play video games? I'm guessing you don't play video games. And the reason you're confused is because you don't play yourself. And so you're not learning, you're not um, entertained. Uh, I'll tell you, I had a very eye-opening experience years and years ago and it was after i played golf for the first time i can tell you watching golf on tv before i ever picked up a club was the most boring thing in the world i played with some friends actually my first time playing i played in a um a fundraising tournament which was a whole other story for another time but i cannot tell you how much more interesting that afternoon of golf on television was after I had swung the club myself, right? Because I had experience yeah. with it. MVP, I'm curious um what you've heard from or what your experience well, here. that this
2: is this this show is is very interesting to me because I think what we're talking about is first of all early adapters. All right. Yep. So I would prefer to be an early adapter and follow the trend anytime. Right. And that's what we're trying to always listen for. And, and John's right. I came to John about three years ago and I said, John, I'm getting more people sending me notes from all over the world. We're going to have to figure something out. When we first launched, we really had more of a national plan. And then we we went global. It was, was it about three years ago, John?
0: Yeah, about three. Mm-hmm.
2: So we're talking about early adapters, and we're talking about how we, you know, how we can work together on a global level. And of course, this is about staying on court in life, staying in the game. The very last thing my grandfather said to me was Yahoo me, because he thought Yahoo was going to be email, and he was trying to talk to me through, um, showing me an example of staying current. And it wasn't until I walked away and I thought that was so smart. He thinks Yahoo means email, like Google means search. So yeah, you're just so ahead of the game. And I'm really excited to share a little bit about what what we're doing with our chapters on a global level and what your plan is. So talk to us a little bit about what your one to five year plan is.
1: Yeah, so um, I think the first thing is about establishing uh, Sri Lanka Trade Association. And really, one of the key things is getting the right people into that trade, right, uh, or the or to the association. So the way I looked at it was, who's the guy who really started driving the sports community? So I've already got him looped in. Then I also looked at someone who was, uh, who was an expert on startups, but not just startups, but also someone who managed to take things out of Sri Lanka. Because Sri Lanka, I always said that we have an island mentality. You kind of don't want to be outside. So I I want to be outside because I think that's that's who I am. So I've got someone who's involved in you know building brands competing against international brands i think that's going to give us tremendous exposure in terms of what we need to establish we are talking to someone from the uh the law side because i also think there's a policy uh governance influencing that we need to do lobbying especially uh from a trade point of view and then also someone from most probably from a Uh, telecommunication side, because I think the infrastructure is important. So that's going to be the founding board. Uh, For the first year, I think it's about meeting, connecting with all different stakeholders in Sri Lanka who will have some level of interest from an industry point of view, but also from a country point of view. So that it gives us an opportunity to educate them, get them all lined up. And then the next few years would be around really building membership getting the corporates to get more involved, and then also having some of the local events uh, from a trade point of view, uh, see whether we can get some of the international folks to come down to share the expertise. I think education is going to be a crucial role in terms of the tra- trade association. And we've, in the past, from other industries, we've had some really successful trade associations. And I think it should come to a point that it enables us to influence the roadmap in the best and interest of the community and, and the country. And that's how I kind of see, it. that's the vision. Um, and I, that's what, like, you know, for me, when I've also had the trade association, everyone's like, "Oh, there aren't any companies involved in gaming any sports the way you are doing. But I think that's the whole point. It doesn't, you get involved and then you learn from it and then you kind of grow with it. That's how I was looking at it. So that's, that's essentially the vision for, for the Sri Lankan chapter.
2: And John, what I listened for when I met Amila is his strategy and if you notice how slow his and strategic his build is how mm-hmm. how you can really if you really listen how in it he is for the whole duration of right. the plan which is John's favorite thing he's <laughs> constantly pulling me back by my hood
0: <laughs> yeah I think it's uh, you know it's a sign of having a strategy and not just jumping it any shiny object and having it thought through, right? Mm -hmm. Is saying, okay, we're going to do this and this is going to take a certain amount of time. And then based on that, then we are able to do this, et cetera. Um, One of the reasons why I love having you in our community, Amila, um, some of the feedback I heard from the conference, a lot of people came to me and they said, John, this is some of the best networking I've ever had at any conference. And I think a big part of that there's two reasons. One is just an others first mentality that our community has that, hey, we're not just here for ourselves. We're here for our fellow members as well. And we're here to serve and connect, share knowledge, all the things. The other is there are so many different types of people from all over the world, um, different ethnicities, different genders, but also different expertise, right? So you might go to some event, both Within or outside of the esports industry, and it's all the same kind of person, right? It's like we all do partnerships. So we're here to do partnerships. Well, yeah. if I got anything else to do or I've got a different interest, maybe you can connect me to somebody, but I can't talk to the person to produce the event or who is the founder of a wearables tech company, for example, or um, head of a big CPG brand, what have you. Um, and so, to lead into uh, this next topic, you know, you are somebody who is the co-founder and CEO of Gamertech, which is a very innovative wearables brand who just announced a partnership with a quite large uh, esports organization in Dignitas. Share with us what is Gamertech, and then let's lead into this partnership and what that product is all about.
1: Yeah. Um, so. I founded Gamertech with another colleague of mine called named Taraka, And what happened was we've been gamers right throughout, right? And then Mm -hmm. what we also realized that we are getting old, we are having our own set of issues. You know, we like, you know, it's, and we did like a lot of research at the beginning of Gamertech. And it wasn't called Gamertech. We were actually thinking about ergonomics originally. So we used to call it Ergon as a project name. Uh, But the whole idea was that we were trained in, in, in a very specific way to understand what are the consumer problems and how do you solve those consumer problems. So we kind of do like a very design thinking process in that sense, identify a problem, then try to find solution profiles and then try to narrow down. So when we did the research, what we found out was like, there were four main issues. Most of the gamers go through their life. One is in terms of your hand health. So we kind of combine tendinitis, wrist strain, carpal tunnel, elbow pains, shoulder pains, everything into hand health. So like almost like, 60 plus percentage that they suffer at one point or they feel that their performance is reducing with you know when they play for longer uh the second one was around posture uh third one was around vision and the fourth one was around non-communicable diseases related to obesity and bad lifestyle then we're like oh i mean there's, there's a lot of people i mean i don't i don't look the same way i used to look 10 years ago right i was like you know this Cubby person, you know, just couch potato, you know, then I kind of got into fitness and stuff like that. But again, I've gone through some of these cycles. So it was a very close subject to my heart. And that's why we started Game Attack. And we were also working for a company which enabled us to sort of do what we wanted. Uh, In Sri Lanka, because of where I was, if I went to someone else and said, hey, you know, I have this idea. Can you fund it? I don't think we would have got the funding because I don't think they would have understood what I was talking about. But like for, for, luckily for me, you know, fortunately, uh, the organization that I work for is called MS Holdings. They were very keen on understanding what this opportunity is about. And they were also very keen to invest in us as well as in the project because they felt, okay, these guys are onto something. We see the opportunity. Let's work with them. So that's how Gamertech started. Gamertech Gamer started as something that actually went into almost like medical devices initially. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just to give a bit of background, uh, we are looking at doing FDA class one or two products, you know, trying to like, you know, go and I was like, this is not for gamers, you know, FDA class one or two is like, you know, for people who are sick, gamers are not sick, they don't realize that they're sick. I want to get into like, you know, wearables, we want to make it more performance driven. So that's how we started building Gamertech. But the value about Gamertech and and the the core principle that we bring to the table is like, anything that we're going to build is going to be very specifically built for gamer pain points, not for anyone else. Um, and one of the things that I see most of the time is that uh, why I love esports is that because most of the time people try to solve the core audience problem, right? They don't come with a solution and say, "Hey, listen, you know, I have this. I think it's going to work for you." Which is kind of not the way to go about in my in my head. Uh, so that's how we started Game Attack. and we for me one of the biggest challenges were like, who are the people that I can work with as well? Because okay, I'm in this country. We don't have too many connects. Whom do I need to connect with? So we started working with organizations like, you know, who were, uh, at that time when I started, there were like very few organizations who were talking about gamer performance health. There are a few that we started working in the past to help us do research to understand, okay, so we have a hypothesis. How do you validate this hypothesis? Working with different people, having focus groups. I remember when we started this journey, we did more than 600 plus screener service to understand how do we sort of, you know, narrow this audience down. Then we did about 60 plus interviews on our first round of research, apart from the secondary research we've done. And then kind of said, okay, these are the pain points. These are their lifestyle. This is their average income, sort of building all the personas. And then based on that, we started developing solutions. Then we took the solutions to market. We went to things like packs. We went to things like GDC, sports bar, all these things. And then started like, you know, really trying the product out there in the market. And then we got feedback and then we kept on iterating those feedback. And then with that, we also started connect with, connecting with eSports organizer, because we felt, why don't we go and work with the professionals? You know, they can give us more feedback. And uh, so our first partnership, we did uh, some to. Oh,
0: I think we got you frozen up there. Maybe if you want to try, Mila to uh, close your screen and um, turn it back on. It might work. We might have to have him go out and back in again. We can always cut this part too. So Let me message. All right. Sorry, everybody. We froze up there for a minute, but we are back with Amila. Amila, please continue.
1: Yeah. So as I was saying, Oxygen was our first partner. And then we also looked at who are the other organizations that we can work with. Uh, So we've spoken to many different esports organizations in the past, you know, I wouldn't want to mention names, but Dignitas was one of the most accommodating, uh, lovely bunch of people, you know, including Mike Prenderwell, you know, John Sfire, you know, amazing people. We've been in discussion for a while because we also wanted someone who had different titles than Oxygen, uh, who who was on Rocket League, uh, not Rocket League, but like someone uh, on League of Legends. So I think it was a good fit for us. And the whole idea of having different esports organizations as our partners was so that we could test the different products that we are coming up with. So when when I talk about wearables, I'm envisioning envisioning a future that is performance boosting, but not just that, but also how can we create unique, uh, immersive experiences using technologies like haptic, you know, RGB lighting, you know. So you kind of want to create like a very consuming engagement through different technologies. So that's how we we're looking at it. So. Uh, so that's how we kind of got into discussions with Dignitas i got an introduction through through one of our you know long standing friends uh, william collis so i work with him directly so he's he's a consultant for us he's the professor of esports who runs the the business of esports and so we got into a discussion then we finally managed to do the announcement last week uh, and it's, it's it's a big big announcement because dignitas is one of the oldest teams in the industry and i think they've gone through multiple phases they've seen the evolution of it I believe they just celebrated their 20th anniversary. I think we came at the right time, you know, and it's now we're working with a very mature organization uh, who has a lot of different professionals who are working at very different levels, but also having that, you know, enthusiasm to get things going. And I think with Dignia, what will happen is that we will conclude the product development rounds by end of this year, and we'll have the new products coming out beginning of next year. So the plan is to commercialize with uh, oxygen, dignitas, getting all the new products coming out to the market, uh, you know, and then really, really trying to see how the actual market conditions would uh, enable us to, you know, figure out whether you're going to succeed or not. But I'm, I'm very hopeful and I'm very excited. Um, and also, we are looking at adding more new partners as well uh, because there are very specific things that we we are looking at. And one of the reasons why I want to do that it goes back to the earlier point that we were discussing. Uh, Most of the time, esports organizations work on sponsorship models and then also like, you know, tournament winnings. But how can we monetize in other revenue streams? So I think there are revenue streams that are underutilized at this point. And I think by doing some of the things that we are doing, it's going to enable some of the other organizations to start monetizing uh, some of the underutilized revenue streams. So that's how we're looking at it from a business point of view. So the whole, again, Gamer Tech is all about gamers, but also we try to I mean, again, our, tagline, our tagline is level up, right? So essentially we want to level up with the partners as well. So how do we do things together to you know, sort of really bring value? And I think there are like some of the aspects, if you look at most of the, uh, like say apparel side of things, uh, most of the time it's designed for someone else and based on a very different set of consumer problems. But our value property is, how do you build that same apparel around the gamer needs? someone who's going to play for like 12 hours, 24 hours, 48 hours, at you know, uh, in in taking, obviously taking breaks is not healthy, but how do we enable them to sort of, you know, be comfortable, but also like, you know, manage some of the wellness aspects, but also have your performance up all the time, but not really hurting yourself. That's how you're looking at it. And that's why you're also working for us, like from an ecosystem point of view, we also have like, you know, build networks around professionals in terms of wellness, Uh, then advices around, you know, what the gamers would need, you know, how do we sort of, you know, understand what do they need? Because we are also socially, culturally very different, right? And I think there were like different elements that we are considering when we started this journey. But I'm very blessed to be at this point and then do what I'm doing, you know, from a country that who had never thought about, you know, doing, you know, this kind of opportunity. So I think that's a very unique uh, blend that we have, we've been exploring here.
0: I love that. Yeah. And I want to read a quote from your press release from uh, James Baker, who's the Dignitas general manager, because I think it says a lot about you, what someone else says about you. He says, we at Dignitas have always committed to not only achieving peak performance, but also ensuring the well-being of our players. This collaboration with Gamertech underscores our dedication to both these principles. Their cutting edge technology promises to elevate the gaming experience for our players, giving them a competitive edge while also prioritizing their health and longevity in the industry. And wow, what a what an amazing gift to be able to offer this industry to say, hey, you know, with these products, you know, we're gonna help you with your performance, hopefully, of course. But we're also going to help you with the longevity of your career. How can you, you know, heal from these long and intense um, gaming sessions? Talk a little yeah. bit about, uh, I saw in the press release, this beautiful image of a glove, which appears yeah. I believe is cryotherapy. Talk a little bit about what that is and how that works.
1: Yeah, um, so that's the first product we are looking at introducing, which we call the Magma Glove. Uh, Magma, the whole. So when we started, what we realized was like a lot of uh, assumptions were around that most of the gamers get carpal tunnel,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and what we realized it wasn't really carpal tunnel; it was actually repetitive strain injuries. Means that you're going to have like say 400 to 600 actions per minute, means you're going to have inflamed tendons. Uh, so yeah. long-term repercussions are tendonitis, but also like it's it's repetitive strain, right? And we there are two different solutions one was a thermotherapy solution which you see on dignitas uh, press release uh, which yeah. we call the magma glove so the whole idea was how do you use active heating at a very specific temperature combined with compression to give uh, increased circulation so that your your any sort of uh, how do i say injuries can heal faster because you kind of need to deliver nutrients to th- those damaged areas Perfect. right so that's how we looked at it. So that's the first product we're going to introduce by end. So we are actually announcing this at esports awards in November. So we have one of the collegiate esports awards uh, presenting partners there. So we'll be unveiling the new product. So the product would be a little bit more different from what you see on the press release because this is the earlier generation of a prototype, which we tested out, but the new one actually will have much cooler uh, features coming in. Uh, yeah. And then Again, so we also picked this product into performance. What we realized was like, what you're going to use for, you know, recovery is also good for your performance. And the inspiration came from traditional sports. What do you do when you want to, you know, play any sport, right? You have to warm up properly. If you don't warm up, classic example, if you're, if, if you're doing, if you go to the gym and if you want to do like a, a free weight squat, you need to warm up to the one rep max, right? If you want to do okay. that. You try to do one rep max, you're going to, birth something you're going to break one of your tendons and and the whole principle is that gamers are like traditional athletes what do you need to give them to enable them to play for longer because usually why you get injured is because you suddenly try to you know go at a higher click rate, then mm. uh, you know without warming up so that leads to a lot of issues even though they don't realize and these gamers are also relatively young right and the issue is that when you're young, you kind of recover faster, but the problem is the number of cycles you can go through Then, The whole idea of Magma is to sort of, you know, enable you to play for longer, but also not hurt yourself in the process. Mm-hmm. And and uh, James himself was a retired League of Legends player, so he understands the pain points. So we actually had an extensive conversation with him. He wore the product. He gave us a lot of feedback, which we are grateful. And those changes are being built into the new version of the product. So that's the Magma glove. Uh, we are looking at a cryotherapy glove, which we call Sub-Zero, coming towards next year. Again, the principle there is that post-game recovery, what do we need to give you? So magma is more in terms of pre-game, in-game, uh, warm-up, performance-boosting glove. And then uh, the next version would be more in terms of post-game. Uh, there are two types of conditions. You have chronic and acute. So heat therapy is usually good for like anyone who is having chronic conditions. So that means you can recover much faster. And then also cryo is good when you're sort of having any sort of acute condition. That's how we look at it. So we mm-hmm. took all this from sports science, but really tweaked it to the game of performance and wellness aspects. Uh, and we worked with uh, one HP and then another organization to sort of validate this. What we also did was we went to the extent of actually going and doing physical therapy-based testing to understand how they use these gloves and how it really improved their performance. And what we realized was like heating glove actually gave from a physical therapy point of view about almost like 50-plus percentage in terms of improvement. So they kind of felt, you know, rotations, finger movements, twitch, all that improved quite significantly. Then we also went and tested it in an environment where gamers are used to we used aim lab uh, grid test to understand how they perform with and without the glove and then again it had a significant improvement we will be publishing a white paper around the research we've done over the years really summarizing all those things uh within the next couple of months hopefully when we more close to the launch of the the new glove and the whole idea is that this is not another glove that someone came and said hey you know it's a cloud that's gonna improve performance, but we've actually gone through the whole testing validation to understand whether it actually can give the performance that uh, that we are looking at. Uh, so, and that's why I said our whole value is around, uh, principles are around, we wanna build something that's gonna work for gamers, but also really test and validate in the market with the people.
0: Mm. Well, it's so neat. I think how you have such a great understanding of the science here and how you have taken and adopted best practices from traditional sports, traditional medicine, um, how we're seeing, you know, injuries in, in other industries be prevented and also taken care of. And then you're adapting those in a very nuanced and specific way so that is relevant specifically to gamers. So I really commend you for that. Um, we are at the end of this episode and it has just been, I've been on the edge of my seat here learning so much from a cultural standpoint, from a technology standpoint, and all that you're doing. Um, last question for you, how can the folks who are listening follow you and Gamer Tech in the ways that you would like them to?
1: Yeah, um, so you can visit the website. Uh, it's gamertech.gg. Uh, and also you can follow me on LinkedIn. It's uh, amila.patrin on LinkedIn. I'm also on Twitter. Uh, but LinkedIn is the, is the preferred platform because I think that's, that's uh, I hardly look at Twitter. I just go there for like news, but LinkedIn uh, and then also there's an email address on the website. You can go ahead and, you know, write to us that directly comes to me. Uh, but I would love to hear from the folks, you know, because again, as I said, we are on a learning journey, uh, also growing with the industry. So I think it's important that we connect, discuss, debate, you know, explore new ideas. And I think that's, that's what really excites me about the uh, Esports Trade Association as well, because I get to meet people in person and as I said, I love being in Chicago, you know, like, I think I, I saw you at the Radisson Blue lobby and I said, Hey, that's John. I've seen him many times. Let me go and say hi to him. <laughs> yes. it, was, it was, it was, fun. You know, it's like, I recognize everyone the moment I walked in it, and it was, it was, a, it was a very fun experience. And thanks for having me at, uh, at the eSports next really, really appreciative. of that.
0: Absolutely. Well, we feel thankful for you and your contribution and, uh, all of your involvement with ESTA and the broader, esports community megan
2: congratulations and take thank you for taking the pain out of the game so with that with that you know we look forward to seeing you in october hopefully uh we'll make it over to vegas ourselves it's a shorter flight
0: yeah awesome (laughs) all right well thank you amila for joining us today on the esports next podcast